You read the Bible, Greg. Talking to me? I'm a law Wait, wait, let me, let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. So what you want? Jesus freak. Got a bad feeling about this. King Kong ain't got shit on me! Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Each and every man under my command owes me 100 natural scouts. <laughs> Start to see pictures, eh? Oh, wow. Thank you for that. For Sunday, December 19th, 2021. This is episode number 120, and I'm Jake. I'm Chris. And I'm Zach. Coming up this week, we've got a very late review of The Last Night in Soho. We'll also maybe talk some other stuff that we watched and whatever else comes up along the way. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Glad to have you with us. How are you guys this week? It's been a while. It has been a while. So much has happened. It's been a while. It's been a while. Chris, I'm glad you're feeling better, man. Feeling so much better. Chris got COVID. He lived. He survived the liberal hoax. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says so. (laughs) I survived the liberal hoax? Yep. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. And all I got with this was the stupid (laughs) t-shirt. And important antibodies. Yeah, for like three months. (laughs) Four new variants come out, and I'm messed up anyways. So how sick did you get? Uh, I had body aches for a few days, mm-hmm. and I had no taste or smell for like three weeks. Oof. Three and a half weeks. Dude, I haven't smelled anything in ten years. So. I don't understand like how you do that. Like That's, <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> one day that like because like i shower to like make myself feel clean obviously but there are some days where you just get more ripe than others just to make you feel clean you don't really care if you are as long as you have that safety net of well i mean like yeah i feel clean i can't smell myself so like i can't register like i couldn't register like how bad i was until i was sitting there on the couch and Alyssa lost her smell and she started to get it back and then she was like Oh my gosh, like it <laughs> smells like death in here. <laughs> so I had to go shower and like I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't I can't tell if I smell bad. I can't tell if I oversalt something. Like I cooked dinner one night. Ooh. Huge mistake. For some reason I decided to make a uh, a stir fry. So I put soy sauce in it. Ooh. And then I put salt in it too. Oh, <laughs> I know. So the whole thing was just like a bucket of salt, and Ugh. I just couldn't register a thing. Dude, when I That's if I know that I would have brought you. One time I made these crepes, and I used like a pre, uh, like a premix, like on Jemima premix for pancakes, and I still added salt to it. And so there's just <laughs> salt on top of salt, and it's like, like, did you add salt to these? And I was like, yeah, the recipe said to you. And I'm like, well, did you use flour? I said, yeah, I think this is flour. Like, no, you idiot. That's a pre-made mix. That's the whole thing. Salty pancakes. Mm, who doesn't love them? Yeah, nothing better than that. But it was it was a rough go for a couple days. 
you actually, believe it or not, Chris, a couple days after you got you and Alyssa got COVID, my boss had texted me and said that he had COVID, so I had to work from home for like a week and a half. Mm. Can you smell anything now? Yeah, I can smell and I can taste a little bit, or, or like it's almost at a hundred percent, but it's not quite there. Like I think enough. I say if you put a number to it, like eighty percent. Enough to know not to mix soy sauce and salt. Yes. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm a health expert or that anyone should take health advice from me, but if I get COVID and I can't taste anything for like two weeks, I'm gonna try to pack like six years worth of nutrients into two weeks <laughs> and just shovel down a bunch of foods that I don't like but that Dude, are good for me. First day I couldn't taste anything. I had the same idea. Uh, you know those like plastic bins of loose loose leaf lettuce? Yes. Yeah. We didn't have lettuce. We had arugula. <laughs> so I'm sitting there just like fistfuls of arugula in my mouth. <laughs> I have the body aches. I'm clearly not having a good time anyways. It's like that episode. I'm watching Surf's Up for the like second time. <laughs> I'm just shoveling freaking arugula in my mouth. It's like that episode of The Office where Michael makes Kevin eat broccoli. And like he's like he has this whole stem of broccoli and he's like, which way do I eat it? And he's like <laughs> takes a bite out of it. And he's like, oh god. <laughs> the texture was awful because it, it wasn't quite a crunch. It was just kind of felt like I was pressing through something. I can't it's believe you're just eating handfuls of arugula. I was. I couldn't taste a thing. Like normally it's bitter, but like <laughs> that's the secret miracle cure that no one's talking about. Arugula. <laughs> I'm still alive, man. <sighs> Shoot. If I had to chalk it up to anything, I'd probably say it was the like 12 fistfuls of arugula I ate that day. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Alyssa's feeling better too. Yeah, she's all right. She she got a Good. little bit more sick than I did for the first like three or four days we didn't know if i had it or not because i wasn't showing any symptoms and she was so she didn't want to potentially spread it to me even though things yeah. were <laughs> as they were at that moment with us living in the same house but she she like cooped herself up in the bedroom for three and a half days and didn't leave unless she was going to the bathroom so she was like in wow. the a small bedroom for four days and how that didn't take a toll on her psyche i'll never know i'd be wow like laying in bed for four days like that sounds awful to me i don't know really why boring. like so obviously auto works at dorothea dicks and they've had like outbreaks basically this sure. whole time like every now and then and so for like the last month and a half like they've had to wear like n95 stuff because there's been outbreaks and I've just been like, if you get it, like I'm not, I'm not even gonna try. Like I just know that I will get it. So yeah. like, it's not worth it at a certain point to try and separate yourself, especially if you live in like a two foot by two foot apartment, because they're gonna yeah. use the bathroom. It's gonna get in there. You're gonna use the bathroom. Not to mention like if it's airborne, right? Like yeah, she, her confining herself into one room, infecting all that air. Like the second you were to step into that room, like. Mm. You'd be bum rushed. I had to like with pathogens. To, well, we had a, we have like a dinner tray that I would just like cook. Knock on the door and just. I I would. It was like that too. <laughs> I would I would set her food on the ground and I'd do like a little secret knock like do 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 do, and then I would just walk away and then she'd be like, I'm coming out. 
out. And she opened the door, grab her food, pull it in. I was like, I only saw her forearms for the first like three days. <laughs> I would do like a like that. Get like a a cart, put a bunch of food on it, and like wheel it down like the girl and like the old woman in Harry Potter on the Hogwarts Express. And anything from the trolley. And, the, and we all know the only proper response to that is, we'll take the lock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It was weird, though, man. Not Like, not being able to leave the house. Plus side, though, people deliver you food and groceries. So, that was I'm gonna, nice. I'm just going to start peeling people like that COVID all the time. <laughs> Didn't have to pay for food for a week and a half. That's cool. Yeah, thank goodness for you. those people. They can eat all the chocolate Pop-Tarts. Chocolate Pop-Tarts? No, man. You I know you can't taste pop. anything, Chris, so here you go. Oh, that's right. You can't taste anything. I'll get you the s'more flavor. <laughs> Here's the brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tarts. Enjoy the worst flavor <laughs> while you can't eat it. <laughs> At this point, it's just about sustenance. Just get it in. Sorry, second worst flavor. Strawberry is obviously the worst. Frosted strawberry is not bad. What about the it. wild? What about the wild berry or whatever? Wild berry is pretty gross. I would it's rather eat wild berry over. I, with the flavors that they have now, though, there's got like ice cream sundae. Like that's got to be pretty nasty. They've expanded like Oreos and Pop Tarts have expanded their flavor profiles significantly. Once I for, saw lemon meringue Oreos, I was out. Ew. I haven't had those. They made carrot cake ones that were pretty good. That's gross. Ugh, what the fuck? See, you say that, pop tart be a pop the same tart. thing too until I tried one and I was like, yeah, these aren't half bad. Why can't a pop tart be a pop tart? Why does it have to be carrot cake and lemon those meringue Oreos. Oreo? The one uh, thing, and this was an argument some I heard online one time that I completely agree with is that somebody uh, it was birthday cake Oreos. And birthday cake ice cream, and they're like, okay, what does birthday cake taste like? Because a birthday cake can be any flavor. <laughs> True. You can make chocolate birthday cake. You can make vanilla birthday cake, strawberry birthday cake. You can make banana birthday cake. It's all that together. It's all it's all about how you package the deal. You know what I'm saying? Hey, if anybody knows anything about packaging the deal, Chris, <laughs> it's me. I'm sure, I'm sure you're the preeminent authority on packaging the deal. Yeah, I know a thing or two about packaging the deal. Yeah, yeah. Toot it and boot it type deal. So what's up? What have you been up to? How's Colorado? Um, Colorado's getting getting that winter time. It's been super windy, dude. They've got like 50 mile an hour gusts of wind. Trash cans knocked over. Well, we don't. Taken up well, in the wind. Well, we have a garage, so we keep our gr- trash can in there. Oh, that's right. He has his own office and a and a garage now. I keep forgetting yes. refer to the one percent. One thing over the I will say over the past like couple months, I've come to like realize is like the people I once knew as they used to be are done. Like <laughs> done. People are progressing, and like I see people like you know having kids and like getting real jobs i'm just like shoot this is legit like people are moving on with their lives this is crazy to watch yeah well we've got the suburban christmas thing going so we've got the christmas tree up and we've got no lights over the front porch and we got a wreath on our door 
right light up the fireplace make some yep. hot cocoa and decorate the i tree. wish we do have an electric fireplace in the living room but it doesn't work sadly you just throw the fireplace on netflix i uh, that's true well we actually just set up our tv room down in the basement you so have got... a tv room in the is it like furnished yep that's way too nice. But see, this is exactly what I'm talking about, though. Like, could you picture this conversation happening, like, five years ago? Uh, no. Could you talk – would you see yourself talking about your fully furnished basement five years ago? No. Or anybody's furnished basement, for that matter. I could not. But, yeah, I got we – got, um, we got some movie posters hanging up down there. We got our couch down there. I've got – oh, Chris, you'd like this. So right above the TV – there's like three shelves built into the wall. So on the middle roll, spanning across almost the entire thing, all my Criterion movies. Oh, cool. And then right below that is where I got my TV shows, video games, you know, controllers, things like that. And then I've got my then I've got my three shelves next to it that've got my 4K, one shelf of 4Ks and the other two for Blu-rays. That, I bet that looks very aesthetically pleasing. It is a nice, it is a nice little setup. That's cool, dude. What movie posters you got hanging up? Because I changed around my movie posters lately. We got, um, let's see, hanging up down there, we got Creature from the Black Lagoon, so the one that's right behind you. Then I got um, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Mm -hmm. We've got 2001: A Space Odyssey, The Witch, and Barbarella. What's Barbarella? It's a 70s, like, sci-fi schlock movie with, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Jane Fonda. Okay. I, I recently took down my La La Land poster and my the Inherent Vice poster, and I put up 12 Angry Men and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Wow, you're really maturing. That's what maturing looks like. <laughs> Putting up a movie I saw when I was five. Yeah, swapping uh, it I guess out. 12 Angry Men's a little better, but color scheme match better than putting La La Land and Harry Potter, because Harry Potter was going up regardless. Yeah, true. I got a bunch of other ones that were – I got to put them up in my office, but I'd like to get a bunch more for the, for the TV room. How big are the posters? Um, Just your standard movie poster size, like The Creature of the Black Lagoon. <laughs> 42 times. 42 I don't think it's definitely not 42 inches. No, that's that. What is that? Like, that's what's that. the size behind you? That post size right there? Yeah. All right. Whatever that size is. I don't think that's 42 inches. The stand, like the standard, as far as I know, is like 42 by what, 20 something or whatever it is, because that's the size poster that you see in the movie theater inside that frame. Yeah, I don't have anything like that. It's just it's just like these little small posters yeah. of movie stuff. I've been stuff. looking into getting some stuff lately, but like I don't want to get those like super huge ones like I've been getting. I want to mm -hmm. get kind of like alternative, not alternative stuff. Like I've seen some cool alternative posters that I've been interested in, but I want to yeah. get. I've seen a lot of some stuff that's like singular frames of certain movies. Oh, just like a still. Kind of like it's kind of just like a still photograph of a certain movie, but like it it lists what scene it is, what frame it is within the oh, movie, cool. and like director, actor, stuff like that. But I kind of want to like find a couple of those to put up next to those posters. What kind of uh, what kind of movie poster would you want? 
I, I, I still want to get Jurassic Park. Like that, that's going to happen eventually. I just don't know when, but Jurassic Park is on my list and there's a few others, but that's probably, uh, that's probably first. Hmm, nice. Yeah. There's this, uh, there's this photo and poster shop in Boulder. That's where we got a ton of these ones. Um, they just got like these huge bins of like alphabetized movie posters. And there's like so many, like so many, like obviously like super popular ones you could think of. And then all these just like super obscure ones. Like I said, like I got Barbarella and, uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Dude, I, I want to live somewhere where there's some cool buildings and like cool stores and stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot of like weird shit like that in Boulder. There's like yeah. like a it's called Rocket Fizz. It's literally just like uh like candy and various flavors of soda, like all these crazy shit and obscure candies you can buy. Various flavors of soda, like jalapeno soda or whatever. Maybe. Weird. They got and they got them in all these like really cool. Um, I got uh, <laughs> I got Kami Cola from there, and I had a picture of Stalin on the front of it. <laughs> um you would have that too i got that i got uh i think i got uh, king kong cola so i had uh, the empire state building like in king pit? kong what's up would that taste like eight pit no it just kind of tasted like i don't know look at like a type of coke need a- all right well that's an amazing transition honestly into last night in soho we lost chris lost the cat Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Thomas and Mackenzie lost her mind. They're the same. There's a lot Damn. of times. <laughs> He's got COVID strength. I'm jacked. All right. So The Last Night in Soho is written and directed by Edgar Wright. Stars Anya Taylor-Joy, Thomas and Mackenzie, Matt Smith. And the plot synopsis is an aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. However, the glamour is not all it appears to be, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something far darker. What did you guys think of The Last Night in Soho? It was the last night I wanted to be in Soho. (laughs) (laughs) That's like one of those burns that's on like Gossip Girl. <laughs> XOXO, Gossip Chris. Um, I loved it. Really? I like it a lot. After my first viewing, I wasn't so sure. And then on a rewatch, it was like, no, this is actually pretty good. Um, there were cool shots. I'll say that like Edgar Wright seems to be pretty creative in how he captures certain moments. I thought that was good. I I also will preface it by saying that I understand that when you start to look at things pretty deeply, it falls apart quickly. There's a lot of logic problems with the movie. Okay. Well, let's get some of those. I'm curious to hear this. I think like, if you if you're thinking about I guess if I was Edgar Wright, like me and him are pretty close. If I was answering for Edgar Wright and someone asked me these questions, I'm filling in for him at Cannes when he premieres the movie and whatnot, you know, these things happen. Yeah, of course. I think 
what he would say, what I would say is that if you're thinking about the minutia of how it works, like I've already lost you. And it's supposed to be about the journey, not necessarily how you get there. Okay. It feels a bit of a cop out, but I was, for thinking, example, of, I was like, thinking of a of a good way of saying that too. But I agree, I agree but with Jake. I mean, that's exactly how I would think about uh, you know Spider Man No Way Home, for example. <laughs> You're getting paid to make that plug right now. <laughs> Uh, brought to you by Martin Scorsese. <laughs> so, for example, right? It's pretty unclear whether, like, what is going on. Like, so we set up that Thomas and McKenzie loves the 60s. And then, for whatever reason, she's in this room and is able to do what? Time travel? Look in on what happened? Uh, is this an accurate representation of the past? We're led to believe that it is, but from whose perspective? Like, we don't know, because we're not ever certain if she's an active participant in the past or if she is simply just looking on, because it, there are cases for both. Yeah, it seems that as she gets more entangled, she sort of becomes entwined, right? It's the other way around. So, like, as she becomes more aware of what's going on. She has less, she becomes more of a voyeur and has less of like, it seems that she has less control over what's happening in the past, which, you know, is a metaphor for the present as well. It seems well, like she, to me, she doesn't have a role in the past at all. And she's just experiencing what happened. Well, in well, the that's opening, how it starts in the very opening of the first time she goes back to the sixties, there's like, <clears throat> The way when she looks at the mirror, Anya Taylor Joy is looking at the mirror. Like their their emotions are mirrored, like signifying that they are one. And yes. then when Anya Taylor Joy makes out with Matt Swift, Matt Smith, she gets the hickey. And then the next day in class, Thomas and McKenzie has the hickey. And so like that first night at least, it seems to be implying that she is living out this life in the 60s, but it quickly becomes not that. Could that mirror her desire to be a part of that world? Because I can't imagine as the story goes on, she still wants to be in that time period living the life. Well, I would say that's exactly what it is. I would say the whole entire movie, aside from some other things that it's talking about, it's addressing like nostalgia for the past can be dangerous. Like, yeah, always, yeah, it thinking, seems always thinking that the past like is better is not a way to progress forward as a person. Yeah, because okay. it definitely seems like it, w the way that the events transpire, it's more about – it seems more like the past has an influence in Thomas and Mackenzie's future more than she has an influence on the past. Because I, I didn't gather that she had an influence on the past at all. I just gathered that the past was having an influence on her, or at least her experience through Anna Taylor-Joy and Anna Taylor-Joy's past. Yeah, I like the I I like the concept. I do. I just wish I was more interested in like a fashion side of things, whatnot. I just I just don't I, think that element to me was enough to ground me. I, I kind of wish that like there was more of a connection between the two of them and not just Thomas and McKenzie looking in on what happened to her. I wish that they their lives were running almost more parallel. Like 
we see Sandy and like for her to be more successful, there are things she needs to do that are quote unquote degrading as a woman. And I would say, I wish that was reflected in Thomas and McKinsey's life going forward. Like she, she's not just some student, like she starts to gather success and then to reach the next levels, there are things she has to do that she's uncomfortable with. Yeah. I think that would make like drive that point home about like, women to get in places of power what they they what they have to corrupt of themselves i think that would drive that point home a little more if the two lives were mirrored more yeah you, i mean you could do something where like at first it starts modeled right mirrored to then but then you defy the trope right and then thomas and mckenzie can like it's find success in her own way to sort of be like breaking free of the past the past no longer having an influence on you I'm because curious, like, I'm sorry, you go ahead. No, I was just saying they could have set that premise up. Um, I think I could, I wish it would, could have leaned into the horror a little bit more side of things. Like, I just was not crazy about, I was not crazy about, like, the the ghost things and then the ghost things seemingly being horror, but then ultimately end up just becoming, like, a friendly warning to her. I'm fine with that because I feel like it plays to the twist at the end a little better, which I thought was a it was a good twist. Like it was. And I, but I don't think I'm it's not, that good. I it was it was good. Like it, it wasn't great, but it did its job and it when did it I pretty well. Saw that old woman who owned the apartment, the very first thing I said was, Wow, that looks a lot on Tio Joy in this movie. Mm-hmm. Boom. I knew it. I think it's, it's pretty well photographed that that's going to happen. Sure. Because like, the thing is that, like, I feel like it gives you just enough to make that assumption, but it doesn't base that um, that assumption in with any facts. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't make it real. It doesn't support it until the very end when it does, and then it turns around and you are like, I knew it, but it's still satisfying because there was no hints at that happening until the very moment. I think the initial twist is satisfying. What I don't think is satisfying is what happens almost immediately after. Yeah, I agree. That whole, everything after that point, stupid. Yeah. I just, um, I guess my big, my biggest com- two complaints of the movie is that I had to, like I said, I just couldn't connect with the with the fashion element of things of it and like through that lens, which is definitely not a fault of the movie. That's more on me. But I also wasn't that crazy about Thomas and Mackenzie's performance. If I, I just had don't to know if she turn around and then like open her eyes wide, open her mouth and go, oh, oh, and then back up against a wall one more time, I I was probably gonna stop watching. I think I think Anya Taylor Joy could have been great for that role, and then another person could have played the model from the '60s. Like I think it hurts by having such a young, like a young character in that '60s role. In my I mind, I thought they both were pretty good. Really? Yeah. I was not that crazy about Thomas and Mackenzie. I agree. 
with Jake. I just think it's like her it's her mousiness. I just can't I can't do it. I think it plays to like it plays to her character in the beginning pretty well. It just wears it's just old. It that like mousy, shy, defenseless person mixed with her accent just really wore on me as the movie went on. If there's anything to hate about her, it's her beats headphones. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Where well, like I feel like Beats headphones like aren't really a big deal anymore. Like I get it, maybe this maybe they're a big deal in like Great Britain where this movie takes place. Well, she's rural. It's true. It's true. She true. She's got. I can't imagine can't they have, have an food. Apple store in the middle of wherever she's from. She can't get the Bose noise canceling elite headphones. No. What a scrub. Oh, hi, yes, I'm just a little girl from the country, and my grandma makes my clothes, and I've got Beats by Dre. Oh, she no, makes her own clothes. I, I stand corrected. If there's a reason to hate her, it's because she's a vinyl collector. <laughs> Coming from the guy who's literally sitting in front of a stack of VHS tapes. I don't watch those, though. And I would never tell you that VHS is the best way to watch something. Mm. It's quite literally the worst. Wow. Except for, like... Laserdisc? Except for, like, <laughs> paying a six-year-old to watch the movie and then explain to you what happens. That might be the worst way to watch something. I don't know. I mean, depending <laughs> on the movie, could be pretty interesting what they say. I was... I just didn't realize... I didn't understand how these events of her going to the past were provoked. Well, that's another good point. Like, we, I guess we kind of have to assume it's tied to that room. So anybody, room so anybody who the- sleeps in that room could, in theory, be transported back in time? Well, I would assume it would have to be someone with similar ambitions as Sandy. So you literally have to be her exact lineup? I mean, if you're thinking, if you think about it in ways of like, we think the ghosts are there to scare her, but in the end they're there to warn her. Yes. Like if it was just anyone, like why would they need to warn her? Warn her the, about what? But are the ghosts the ones provoking the, for lack of a better term, flashbacks? Well, no, I would say that seemed to be more of like as the past became weighed more heavily on whatever her name is in the movies present. Like, that's when those things started to bleed in. Okay, but like, then I almost, what was I like, causing it in the first place? Like, was there just a mystical energy about the room? Like, I don't understand. Well, These are good questions, Chris. She wouldn't have a movie. Yeah, well, I guess what I'm saying is... That's what's driving like, it to happen. Like, well, like, that's where it, well that's, this is where you get into what Zach was saying. That once you try to look through it with a fine-tooth comb, like, this whole it's thing just falls, falls apart. apart. Well, it's not even just looking at it through a fine-tooth comb. It's just, like, at the very end... The, the narrative in the past or the story in the past changed from what originally yeah. happened. No, from yes. what from what you conceived to have happened based on contextual clues. You assume that one thing happens and then the rug is pulled out from you and something else happens. You saw him bringing the, the knife down right, in but, her. But in that point, you're you're in Thomason's uh, point of view. That's what she is being led to believe happened. Yes, it's by not saying what? It, by herself, by her own like she, mental unwell being. It's true. I also can't tell. Like you're, you're, you're 
supposed to believe throughout the entire movie that she's seeing these things happen and she's potentially experiencing them. But it's so also... in the end, when she sees this happen in front of her, Anna Taylor-Joy being just gutted. Sure, but also it also lays down the fact that her mother killed herself because of her schizophrenic breaks. And there's so, a history of that in her family. So it already lays the seeds of doubt that whatever Thomason might be seeing is not exactly what it appears to be. So I guess what I'm saying is if you have to take everything in the past as it happened as truth, because you it don't. Is, then why is that one thing? Like, I guess what I'm saying is if you're not able to take what happened within the visions as truth then wouldn't the story itself not be about Anna taylor joy's story but what wouldn't it be better to focus on the actual main character story because it is he's the one who has the doubt but that that's the thing is that like you're following her as she's as she's investing herself in this story because you you have no other option but to believe what she's saying right but but in the moment in which you see sandy get stabbed it's during a moment of duress so like yeah. it's not the best of circumstances for her to be seeing things so i, I mean I, in that in that moment i think you are under her point of view specifically and you cannot really trust what you're being seen i think the whole thing is supposed to be her point of view thomason's it's her projections I think it has to be that it's not real. I well, think how could it is real. Well, because it's as vivid as she is seeing it. Like, but that's she the whole has thing. Hickey on her neck. That's that's a reason to believe that what she's experiencing is based in reality, whether it be through time travel or whether it be through like astral projection or whatever they're chalking this up as. It, it is ba- they they set groundwork for it to be placed in in a pla- in a sense of reality. It's just her. setting the ground. It's setting the grounds of the past has repercussions in the present but i think a lot of what you're seeing is thomas and mckenzie's projection of things okay then where'd the hickey come from because that was unprovoked by any other event until she went into the past no again it's just visual storytelling to tell you like the connection she doesn't have an influence on the past the past has an influence on her it's just a visual storytelling technique so you're telling me that everything that happened in the past didn't happen. We're not saying that. Okay, so this this is I'm where just saying, no, 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 things I'm just get saying, all messed up. Just saying, like, you're telling me it's a visual story technique. That's fine, but if you're led to believe that she's in a moment of duress and this is a projection of her beliefs and her her hysteria, then I don't understand how that can have repercussions that are directly attached to the past in the hickey on her neck. What? I get, I think you're thinking I think you're taking things too literally. Well, it's not even just taking it literally. Like it 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 tells you to take it semi-literally. The, the movie wants you or at least sets groundwork for you to take it semi-literally. Yes, I think it's pulling I think it's setting you up to pull the rug from underneath you essentially. I think it wants you to believe that what you're seeing is 100% true. But then that moment where she sees Anya Taylor-Joy getting stabbed, I think it's supposed to clue you in. Okay, maybe the other stuff you're seeing isn't is isn't exactly how it happened. See, but this is this is where this is where I think we're differing. Is that you use the word true? I'm using the word real. True. I know, but this... tr- true meaning like 
the events happened as they did. Real meaning she is experiencing these events just as much as Anna Taylor Joy is. Well, no, no. she's not. Then neither where, of those are true. Then where does the hickey come from? Again. Because nothing else up to that point <laughs> led you to believe that the hickey would have been on her neck in any other way except for the guy making out with Honor Taylor Joy, therefore having an effect on the main character, right? Yes, again, as a very heavy-handed, on-the-nose metaphor for what the the past can leave marks can leave its mark on you. See, that's a cop out. That has to be a cop out, right? It is a cop out, but I'm just explaining to you what that means in okay, the story. That's, that's a I'm not movie then. Director Anger Anger Wright. I didn't make this like, movie. Would you rather have the hickey on the neck that makes you kind of question things, or would you rather have a line of dialogue of someone looking of, of Thomas and McKinsey, like, go re- running through a book and be like, oh, the past can affect me, but I can't affect it. Interesting. <laughs> no, okay. I mean, I'm fine with the technique being there, but I guess. There's no other way to do that. I mean, there there has to be other ways to do it. There has not, to not be. Not ones that, like, make. I guess it's just because it's so, it's subtle enough to make you believe that the past can have it an effect It sounds like on you're just mad that you got tricked. No, I'm not mad I got tricked. <laughs> I was choking on coffee there. I'm not mad I got tricked. It's just if you're led to believe that something is supposed to be literal, and then it just turns out to not be literal at all. No, what that it seems, well, <laughs> that seems like a falsity. I think it what it's, like a but it's not it's, – it's not – so devious in that it does not have an impact on the rest of the movie if it was just like throwaway things that were that were being lied to about that don't have any real impact on the story then yeah i would say you have a right to be mad about that because it's leading you to think things that the movie has no intention of addressing but this is like this is your first introduction into this story it has to hook you in somehow so it shows you the hickey and then you're going Oh, but you can, interesting. But okay, you hook, I wonder what's going to happen with that next. But you can hook people in with strictly the story itself because there are other ways that they show through visual Dude, you're acting devices. like you're acting like Edgar Wright is the world-class screenwriter of our generation. <laughs> I'm not saying that he is, but I'm also saying that there are so many better ways to go about this. Like there are different devices that he uses to have her interact or at least attempt to interact with the past and the past interact with her as in the people she's coming in contact with that were in the past being one way. Second way, she breaks the glass to hug on a Taylor joy, which is a great visual representation of, of, of a certain. So do you think she was literally trapped? Chris, was she literally trapped in that glass in the class and had to break herself out? That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, is that that's an okay device. I feel as if leading the viewer to believe that there is a connection between the past and her and who has the so you're only okay with it because she didn't wake up with glass cuts in her hands i'm just saying it's inconsistent i still think that it's just a visual technique that edgar wright didn't really think you're going to think that hardly on but you got him chris i'm just saying like she gets a hickey on her neck from being you know, sucked having her neck sucked on in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Then Anna Taylor Joy has 
horrendous things happen to her, but yet she doesn't well, feel those effects at all? I think she, that's that's an interesting gray area of the movie. What? Like, I almost kind of wish we sat with that idea more of her. Like, because we, we get the reveal at the end, spoiler alert, that Anya Taylor-Joy is the one that's, like, killing men. Or we, we, I guess we don't really know that anyone's killing men until the very end. But, like, these ghosts that she's seeing are people that Aunt Joy has killed. Yes, that, that is what you were led to believe. At yes. least that's what I believed. Well, I we didn't literally see it happen, but... We did literally see her kill people. I, That's something that I wish wasn't saved as a reveal, but was more explored in the story. Like, as in, like, like Thomason Tom witnesses to... her kill someone. And still idolizes her in a and way. And like and that changes her perspective of the events that we are seeing, rather than the Anya Taylor Joy of the present telling her all of these things, and then that indirectly impacts the things that we are seeing. Hmm. She's a master at visual storytelling with the hickey, not so much with the killing men. I mean, the killing men, like you don't see her direct involvement with that. You see her watching that. But she is Hallelujah, she's killing me. Just saying, <laughs> inconsistent. Be consistent, Edgar Wright. Hit him up on Twitter. Send him a DM. Yeah, no. dude. Tweet at him. Call him out. No. Edgar Wright, you piece of shit. <laughs> you had me in last night in Soho until 50 minutes in. Then you lost me. Congratulations. And that was my last night in Soho. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Edgar, what with the hickey? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm all in with the hickey. It's everything after that. So we're fine up until the hickey. It's post-hickey that you have a problem with. No, up to hickey and through hickey, I am okay with. But once... She's not... <laughs> We're living in a post-hickey world. I'm just saying, she had an effect in the past once. What's stopping her from having an effect from the past a second time? There isn't, but they just don't do – they don't explore that. Well, they yeah, don't go that route. That's, that's that, what I'm saying, that, though. But that's not, like, the story that Edgar Wright is trying to tell. Whether that's is, the story he's not trying about, to tell or not, he set that it up. It is not about, like, having an impact on the past. Like, Jacob said, it's about the past having an impact on you. But that's what I'm saying. The past had an impact on her physically. So, you know, so no, if you establish that once, you start, have to be consistent with that If she were through. to start intervening – she would be having the impact on the past. The past would mean nothing to her. It is just this thing that she can change whenever she sees fit. Yeah, but she can't. Right. It was proven that's that she more, can't affect that's the That's more interesting. See, but, but I understand that, and I would agree with you. I would totally agree with you. But if you set something up once, you have to be consistent a second and a third and a fourth time, or else you are just setting something up that has no, that, that, that just basically is stupid. No, but only you thought the movie was going to take that turn, and then when it didn't, you were disappointed. It's not that I wanted it to take that turn. I was just upset that it didn't remain consistent with its own establishment. I don't know. Again, I think you're putting way too much influence on it. Sorry for believing what the director is wanting me to believe and expecting him to hold to his own standards. Sorry, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. <clears throat> Edgar Wright, you suck, man. 
You're not making on this guy's top ten list. That's for damn sure. Not gonna be a movie. He's only got twelve movies to pick from, and you ain't one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Is the uh, Many Saints of Newark going to be in your top ten? Probably not. I mean, you only got twelve. It's too bad we didn't have a Hoobie Halloween. It's too bad we didn't have a Hoobie Halloween too. I mean, I did watch it in 2021. Like, does that count? <laughs> no. Surfs up. I watched five times in 2021. Does that count too? One through five. Surfs up. I watched <laughs> it five times. Chris, would you do a Hoobie? Would you be into a Hoobie spinoff where Hoobie is part of a uh, detective gang and it's called Hoobie Do? Yes. Yes. You don't even need to finish that sentence. <laughs> yes. If I could watch a whole movie of him doing funny stuff with his little like multi-purpose thermos i would yes that alone his multi-purpose thermos helps him solve mysteries yes and it's called hooby do i'm in adam billy madison productions write it up how much we how much write us the check (laughs) i'm gonna tweet adam right now that's film a n d loathing podcast at (laughs) gmail.com oh gosh Surprised you haven't plugged your own thing yet. It's not ready. Oh, okay. It's not live. It's not live, but he's not ready to dip his plug in. Pre-announcement. You not think s- restaurants just open? You don't think they advertise before they open? I'm not soaking, bud. We're not soaking here. <laughs> Chris, sometimes restaurants do just open. It's called the cold open. A cold open? Maybe if you're like Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, you can do that. But like. It's- I would. Zach is not yo, Chipotle or Chick Fil A, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. Back in the day when they had Taco Bell KFC team ups, we need to have a new one—a Chipotle Chick Fil A team up <laughs> coming to cities near you. Upscale KFC Taco Bell. <laughs> would you call it Chipotle? Chipotle. Then you have to redo the song "Kentucky Fried Chicken and a Pizza." McDonald's. Oh no, that's KFC. They have KFC Pizza Huts. No. Not that I'm aware of. It's not Kentucky Fried Fried Chicken in a Pizza Hut. It's and a Pizza Hut. (laughs) And a Pizza Hut? Oh. I thought it was Kentucky Fried Chicken in a Pizza Hut. McDonald's, McDonald's. They have McDonald's with a Pizza Hut? (laughs) Capitalism is great. Anyways, last night in Soho. Yeah, what else are you saying about it, Chris? What are you doing? Um, Wait, what about... This is this is one thing that I thought was weird. So like we set up this character. What's her name? Her roommate. Uh, oh yeah, I don't know what her name is. We set it up as if like like the last time we see her on screen is when Thomason almost stabs her in the face. Hmm. With last, last time you see her on screen is at the the fashion show at the end where she's clapping for her. Okay, but before that, the last time that we see <laughs> gotcha. her is right before she stabs her in the face with a pair of scissors. Yeah. How does how is that not a big deal on campus? And how yeah, Chris, is she clapping for her at the end after this girl almost stabbed her in the that's face? What I like, why on isn't, school like, grounds. Like, now, why isn't that think... why she ends up going to the police? Is like, she stabs this girl... The police come to question her and ask her why. Yeah. And then she's now, like, oh, do you well, think this, this, and this. Do you think that's a glaring oversight? Or do you think that the ending does not actually play out like you see? You think the ending was fake? 
Yeah, do you think it was like just her fantasy? It's probably as real as the hickey. That's actually okay. a good point because she friggin' took that sleeping stuff and then apparently she can just kick an old lady down the stairs after that. She I takes mean, that poison and like she just is perfectly fine afterwards. That's what I'm saying. Did she like die? Believing that Did she get poisoned? A 65-year-old woman can overpower two teenagers. Dude, like. when she – when that old woman backhanded her so hard that she fell to the ground, I was That's like – That's what I'm saying. Do you think she got poisoned? Got, like, Hulk strength. Like, in that moment, adrenaline kicked in, and she was just like, no, backhand right to the floor. She's used to killing dudes. She can backhand a little girl. How often do you think she does that? She probably – that's an old pastime for her. She hasn't done that in years. Plus, that's a mouse and teenage girl in. At She's death. just like, oh, right, I'm back in the game. It's killing time. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I got you three minutes. <laughs> You're going nowhere. Uh, so the one thing about No Way Home that I haven't been able to confirm yet is if Bonesaw McGraw is back. I hope so. Don't you dare say a word, Jake. Don't you dare say a All word. Right. I'm I'm not saying a thing. All Bone I'm saying is he's the final boss. Be in that movie or it's a bust. All I'm saying, all I'll say is he's the final boss. <laughs> <laughs> I would love like Bone Saw comes in like just kills uh kills Electro, <laughs> kills Doc Ock, kills the Green Goblin just so that he can fight Spider Man one more time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's incredible. You may have got me last time, but you're not going to get me again. There are three of you. More spider boys to kick. <laughs> I'm not here to talk about my transition. I'm here to kick some Spider-Man ass. To be completely honest, I genuinely thought that was the inspiration for that role. I genuinely thought Bonesaw McGraw was the inspiration for that South Park bet. It could have been. It looks like a cross between Bonesaw and Dog the Bounty Hunter, so. It's true. Alright, what are you guys gonna give uh what are you gonna give last night in Soho out of five stars? Two and a half. Four and a half. Ooh, uh I think I'm a three at the moment until I rewatch it. Yeah, two and a half, ouch. Two and a half strictly for visuals. Hey, maybe I'll maybe I'll get there, but until then. It's a stylish movie. It is stylish. And you guys got anything you want to talk about that you guys watched? And this is a couple weeks since we've been off. Uh, I watched Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Hey, I did too. Hey, I did too. That's crazy, dude. Second review? Oh, second review? Yeah. What a surprise. Um, I did not think it was very good. I hated it. I thought it looked awful. Yes. The uh okay, this is this is a big Marvel problem. So you spend let's let's say four hundred billion or four hundred million to make Infinity War and Endgame combined, right? Mm-hmm. They have a certain look to them. The CGI looks great. You can then not turn around in your very next movie spend like a hundred million dollars on it and then the CGI looks like shit. Wow. Because you set 
a standard of like this is what our movies will look like at a crescendo and then you and then you make this movie post what those movies can what we know you're capable of doing and you basically are like well we know you guys are stupid enough to pay to watch this movie anyway so we don't need to make it look good we've got your money who cares i think that's the case i mean i know that they've probably felt very comfortable if they were going to make a profit off of this but it wasn't not to mention like it's been delayed for a year yeah but it wasn't it wasn't um it's a new character it's not like established it's not like it's it's not like it's a household name like iron man or thor or captain america or even spider-man captain marvel's not a household name captain marvel's a household name what are you talking about nope yeah how many people knew captain marvel for that movie Probably not many, but the after, nerds. That movie, after that movie, it was Captain Marvel a household name. But, yeah, but we're arguing about before the movie. Like Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, those are all household names before a movie comes out. Uh, yeah, they have sure. established fan bases. Yes, sure. That's not true of Captain Marvel. But the cinematic universe is in itself an established fan base. So when you add something to the cinematic universe, okay. you're guaranteed a certain amount of profits. Okay. It's 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 a separate thing. It is a separate thing because there are there are comic book fans that will, you know, crap on the movies all day long. There are you know movie fans that will crap on the comics all day long, and then there are just the superhero fans that will see whatever comes out as long as it's a Marvel of Marvel relation. This is probably <clears throat> one of the worst Marvel movies that I've seen. It's not the worst. Though. Yeah, it was terrible. It's not better. It's it's about as bad as Thor the Dark World or like Captain America. Yeah. That's I just thought it was long. all Whoa. I just thought it was also boring. Like boring. I think the fight scenes are are like the choreograph the choreography is pretty boring and lame. Like I said, again, it looks terrible. Like it actually looks like something you might see on like the CW. I think the smaller like effects, like that opening like fight scene uh, on the bus, I thought that was a cool scene. And I think the effects in that scene look pretty good. Not, but when you get into not like, the coolest bus fight of the year. But when you get into like the big effects, it's a very specific <laughs> acknowledgement. <laughs> I'm only saying that because I watched nobody. <laughs> okay. The uh the big like you know dragon or the big effects at the end like it looks like shit. Like yeah. Lord of the Rings effects look better than that, and that movie's 20 years old now. That's a good movie. Yes. Yeah, I just I don't know if it was like an intentional thing they wanted to go for or uh, like a stylized the shit. Like a style, but yeah, it looked terrible. <laughs> that was, it was their like, game. They're like, listen, guys, it's been a long year. But Zach's you know, not wrong. With the like, pandemic, people will take think, whatever we give them. I mean, I don't, I don't think you guys are that far off. Like, it really does feel like they, they don't even try to hide that some of this is literally in front of like blue screen or green screen. Like, some of it's not even like being hidden that well. It, and it's I like they just don't this, care. It made me like that much more interested to watch the Eternals because it's like. This can't be worse than that. The Eternals has, like, such a star-studded cast, though. Like, to surround that with horrible CGI, I feel like that you can get away with that better. Like, more. I'm also, like, I think I'm interested to watch the Eternals because I want to see how they handle it. And I also think, because, like, they have a lot of explaining to do. Because, like, 
these guys are just standing around because while everything's like, going down. The, the Eternals are like the guardians of Earth. And so how are they going to be like, hey, this big threat came to Earth and almost killed all of us. Actually, it did kill all of us, and then we stopped it. Where the fuck were you? <laughs> I know. I like how there's like these like weird animalistic things that are like, these are what's worse than Thanos wiping out half a population. I want I that's supposed to be on Disney Plus pretty soon. Maybe I'll watch it. I just don't get how you could raise the stakes like that and have that be like an acceptable thing. You know what's crazy, dude? Yeah. I... When Phase One ended or Phase Four or whatever they're calling it, I'm done. I'm done with the phases. After Endgame, I said I was done, but Shang Chi reeled me right in. Dude. Well, did you watch Black Widow? No. You like Shang Chi, Chris? You liked it? I had a fun time with it. Yeah. Huh. See, that's the thing. That's that's ultimately like, I could forgive the bad CGI if I thought that it was like fun, but I I felt like it was a movie that we pretty much have already seen before, not just in general, but already within the MCU. And so like, I was like, I I don't care. I I will say I watched this after watching the first Iron Man, so like the very beginning of the the first phase, and then like the beginning of the second phase, I guess, or like one of the beginnings of the second phase, I was like trying to compare them a little bit. Iron Man, the establishment of Iron Man is so, is handled so much better. It's handled so much better. Like well, I, I see it and, and you can sense a formula in Shang-Chi and the 10 rings, just like, or I should say a consistency in comedy to every single other Marvel movie. And you can tell that it like kind of all comes from Iron Man and like that first setup. I think I get it if that's what the character is. Whatever. You know, in the comic books, I understand that. But I just wish that there was deviations per character in how they make people laugh. I also think that the origin story is so derivative and boring for Shang-Chi. Like, so boring. I will – I'll say, like, if there's a Marvel character – that feels like their origin story is boring and derivative. It's because it probably is. And it's, that's likely because, like, three guys came up with, like, almost every character. Yeah, I mean, true. But this one just feels, like, especially boring. Like, there's really nothing that interesting to it. I, I wanted to watch it because it was, like, no one really asked you to make a Shang-Chi movie, but yet you did anyways. So, like, what what is it that you needed to make? They needed a new superhero. After that, like, I just, I don't, I don't see why, I don't see why you're doing this instead of, like, trying to reboot the X-Men. They've done, they've done that, though. Like, that's, that's something that has been, it's come and it's gone. No, 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 like, Marvel reboot X-Men. That's what I'm saying. They've done that, haven't they? Marvel has not made an X-Men movie. Maybe they just don't feel it's the right time, given that it's too. Do they not? Do they still not own that property though? Sony does. That's what I'm saying. So Marvel can't do it, right? Marvel get it back. Uh, I'm pretty sure they've paid a lot of money to get it back. I didn't think they got it. Understood. Like, is is are the X Men in a separate universe from all these other superheroes? Are they in the same? We have to assume. Because like I mean, I'm saying that like they establish in X Men that there is a world of mutants. So. I don't understand where any of these people are when any of this well, dude, stuff is going down. Okay, well, the, the multi- same with like, Rogue, no, like right? Chris. Like, she's in hiding. 
Yeah. Chris, she's different. The multiverse, the multiverse idea opens up the concept that any universe can be connected at any time. If they consistently play to that, like they do for convenience' sake, I they guess they are in, in like future. They movies, do in like, no way. They do in no way home. Well, they I guess what I'm bl- saying is in like in they no bridge way the home. gap. But in no way Isn't home, they the bridge the gap. Though? No, they bridge the gap between two things, and they brought in something else too. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, the idea of the multiverse, at any moment, anything could be anything could be connected. If if the multiverse opened in no way home, if it opens in no way home and it closes in no way home, I'm cool with it. But the moment I'm not going to tell op- you, sp- I'm not going to tell you specifically what happens, but I will say the way things unfold in Spider-Man No Way Home. All you have to do is interchange like characters within a certain like in within scenes through like Doctor Strange's portal, and anybody could walk through at any point and connect the universe. Ugh. It just seems so friggin' stupid. Yep, at right. any point. What was the what was the end credit scene? I'm not gonna tell you. Can I ask if Venom makes an appearance? Because I watched Venom 2. And the end cutscene is him, like, falling through a portal. And then he's sitting in a hotel room. And J. Jonah Jameson is on TV. Do you want, Okay, you want... Okay. I'm about to... Does that mean Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is coming back? <laughs> and he's gonna fight Tom Hardy? I will not reveal anything about the movie. This is only about the post credit scene. If you do not want to hear, fast forward, you know, like a minute just to be safe. But the post credit scene in No Way Home is, yes, you're in that. So Eddie Brock is in some hotel. He's talking to the bartender. And the bartender – and so Tom Hardy's like, so you're telling me like a big purple guy came to this earth and like almost wiped out half of you. And the guy's like, yeah. And he's like, and there's and there's this thing here, yeah. Oh, and there's that thing here, yep. And he's like, okay, interesting. And then he gets zapped back to his reality, but then lingering on the bar, and you get a close up of it is the parasite, a little piece of the parasite. So you're telling me there's gonna be a different venom than Tom Hardy? Potentially. Because that symbiote just got left in that world. Awful. Awful. Cinema. But did Tom Hardy – was Tom Hardy – I want to know whose fault that is. I want to know if the studio was just like, all right, Tom Hardy, we're done with you. It's probably Tom Hardy who's like, dude, like I don't want to do this. I I signed up to do one, and now like – and it was wildly more successful than you anticipated, but like I don't want to do ten of these. Yeah, I wouldn't like, be surprised. Yeah, find a way to make it happen. That's what I'm saying. So Tom Hardy can do his little thing, whatever they want to do, but then they probably will cast the new Venom to be, be in if if they do more Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, which assumedly which, they, I don't well, I don't know, I don't know, because Tom Holland also said that. If he's playing Spider-Man into his 30s, he's doing something wrong. And to which I say, fuck you, Tom Holland. But like... Dude, make your shmoney. Make the money. It's it's incredibly like... I don't know. I just hate it when people do things like this. Like, 
it'd be like Hugh Jackman coming out and being like, dude, playing Wolverine was the worst thing I ever did in my life. And it's like, it's literally the only reason anyone knows who you are. Dude, Mark Wahlberg is what let him do friggin' uh, Late Miz and what let him do all these other like, movies. Like, Tom Holland could stop working tomorrow and never make another movie again. And it's because you played Spider-Man. And, like, yeah. you're going to shit all over that? Like, fuck you. Like, like, I get it, you know? Like, Hugh Jackman has a history of, like, doing Broadway and doing, like, serious movies. But how far would he have realistically gotten if he didn't play Wolverine? They definitely kind of – they left the ending of No Way Home in such a way that I think Tom Holland could walk away. And, like, there could be a maybe a closure to that. I would honestly be shocked if in No Way Home they don't introduce a Morales, the Miles Morales type character, a they young don't. black man to play Spider-Man. That will that's all <laughs> they will do for the next twenty years is play Spider-Man. Oh, actually, maybe there's like a throwaway line with in, with like Electro's character where he's like he's like talking about like. He thought he thought Tom Holland's Spider-Man was black, so he was like, "Oh, I'm surprised that." He's like, "When I heard your voice, I was surprised you were black. I'm surprised you were white. I thought you were black." And he's like, "Uh, there's got to be a black Spider-Man out there somewhere." So, there you go. Who made Who made the Spider-Verse? Was that Marvel? Yes, yeah, Spider- were- Spider-Verse is a Marvel movie. Okay. There's a sequel coming out next year. Oh, I know. Which I'm I don't like. Aware. Now, how does that work? Like, how does the Marvel Spider-Verse work in with all this stuff? And see, but that's so stupid. The, the stupidest thing to me is that they're opening up a multiverse in two different branches of the Marvel movies. Like, you have an animated that has a multiverse, and then you have, in the actual, like, Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's a multiverse. Yep. It's all stupid. We'll be interested to see what Into the Multiverse of Madness, what kind of can of worms that opens up. Oh, I probably won't see that. What's that? Is that the second Spider-Man? The next Doctor Strange. The second second Doctor Doctor Strange. Strange Jeez. I didn't even watch the first one. I will say I watched Doctor Strange before I saw this, and I actually kind of like Doctor Strange. Only because like, I like their visual representation of the magic that they do and the spells and whatnot. So I thought a lot of it was just kind of cool and fun. It was a nice schlockbuster nice, category. Yeah. So like, I, I did kind of like the visuals in that, and I kind of had fun with it. So that was My like one of the ones that I've seen. is Tilda Swinton's casting of an Asian woman. Yep, that was pretty good. I didn't even know she was supposed to be an Asian lady. Or the original character was an Asian lady. Yeah, it was. There's big hoopla when that happened. That sucks. Not that the original character was an Asian lady, but like that Tilda Swinton was cast in a character that was supposed to be an Asian lady. Yeah, there was some hoopla over that. But yeah, no, I I definitely there's some shit I would like to talk about with No Way Home, but I don't want to. A lot of it's just spoiler related. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about spoiler stuff. That I have a list of about 20 movies that I plan to watch before I even consider watching No Way Home. All Is that I'll an actual think, list on like Dropbox or something? Like movies I'll watch before No Way Home. No, like they're just movies that I'm more interested to see than No Way Home. Sure. Yeah, I mean it was kind of fun at points, um, but 
Yeah, there's like there's a huge plot hole, a huge plot hole in the movie. The plot hole was huge. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's one of yeah. those things like no one cares because people are gonna go see it anyways. Like you could bring this to them the day before it comes out and they'd be like, wait, there's something about this movie that doesn't make any sense. And they'd be like, dude, have you seen the pre the pre order sales for tickets? Like, fucking cares? Let's put it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, the only reason people are watching this movie is so that they can see if whether or not Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in it. That's all I'm going to see it for. Yeah, that's the only reason people care. I, I bet they have a throwaway line if they're in it at all. I will not say anything about the movie. I bet. Well, yes. I bet Tobey Maguire is in it for like – okay, here's what I will say. I bet Andrew Garfield is in it a decent bit. But if any Spider-Man is not in this as much as the others, it's Tobey Maguire. Okay. That's my projection. Okay. I will not say anything. <laughs> I'm just here so I won't get fined. I will not say anything on air. When we stop recording, I'll answer all your questions. All right. I don't know. <laughs> if you have any. I liked Far like No Way Home. No, what's what's the first one? Homecoming. Homecoming yeah. I liked Homecoming. Far from Home is fine, but I I didn't like Civil War or Endgame. So like I don't know. I I have Infinity War was. Oh my God, War. Civil War is brutal. I have long accepted that like these movies are not for me. I like Civil War. I will say, I did watch the first two episodes of the Hawkeye show. Okay. And I like those. Sure. Like, the so the first episode of the Hawkeye show... Simply, like, I don't know, I just like the Hawkeye character. Maybe it's because he's smaller, he never really has much to do. And, like, a show for him makes, makes sense. Like, I don't need a movie about this guy, but, like, six, six 40-minute episodes, like... He goes on an adventure. He has something to do. Yeah, I'll watch that. But the first episode is them replaying like the invasion of New York, but from some from someone else's perspective. Okay. And so it's like the end scene from Avengers, but it's from Kate Bishop, who like is like Haley Steinfeld in the show, and she's like a main character. It's from her perspective when she's seeing Hawkeye do all of these things, and that inspires her to get like a bow and arrow. And like huh. become good at archery and stuff like that. And I, I actually thought that was like a pretty cool touch. The show is fine. I mean, it, it takes place around Christmas time. It's cool. People loving so that. Is it a Christmas show? It's not a Christmas show. No. Well, I mean, the the entire premise is that he's trying to complete this thing so that he can get home in time for Christmas. Oh, okay. So his family is is. Oh, okay. Family's back, that's right. Yeah. Which, that's something that I don't like. Yeah, everything's about family since Fast and Furious got so popular. Well, no, not that. When is the Fast and, Fam- Fast and Furious going to have a, a cameo is, in this? When is Fast and Family? Vin Diesel comes in. No, so, in, in what is it? Is it Endgame or is it Infinity War where we introduce the idea of the Ronin? the ronin yeah so hawkeye becomes no it has to be endgame because it's after his family dies he becomes the oh ronin, yes he just starts killing 
sure. like bad guys. Yes. In this show, you're supposed to be like, don't think about that too much. Hawkeye is this lovable. <laughs> he's this he's this nice, fun, friendly dad. He's yeah. not the one that just straight murdered hundreds of people. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, did you get around to watching movie. Benedetta? I I did not, but I did watch Prisoners from Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Oh, what did you think of that? I I don't want to say that I was disappointed, but I it was not as good as I was hoping that it would be. And I'm with you there. There's some very odd tonal stuff going on. Like, I would like Nicolas Cage has been doing weird shit in his career, like forever. But I would say his recent renaissance comes after Mandy. And like, I think what a lot of people don't seem to get is that Nicolas Cage at 11 is only fun if you care about what's happening to Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Like. Mandy is great because it a build it takes an hour like to build this whole thing this whole reason for you to care about Nicolas Cage's character and then he turns it up to 11 like him being at 11 the entire movie is pretty boring like it doesn't it gets old pretty fast and so like that's for me that's the problem with Prisoners of the Ghostland which is like a like I don't care like about what's happening and it's not nearly as like bloody or as gruesome as i was hoping and you know the cover like the cover literally has a quote on it from nicholas cage that says this is the craziest movie i've ever been in and like (laughs) it really isn't like (laughs) yeah i get it like one of your testicles explodes and like that's kind of crazy but most of the movie it's like dream sequences and you're passed out on the side of the road <laughs> so I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I loved Bill Mosley. I thought Bill Mosley was great. But. Yeah, the governor. It's such a weird character. I roughly love the blend of like Japanese cowboys, like that weird blend. It is a wonderful blending of genres, but like the daytime scenes in that movie are so ugly. Mm. All the nighttime neon stuff looks great. But the daytime stuff is so ugly. And I also, like, I hate that it takes, like, an hour for them to even explain, like, what the fuck is going on. Yeah, they definitely hold that back, weirdly enough. I feel like they should just lean into it and just fucking have fun. Like, okay, so, like, we're in a part of Japan that's been affected by nuclear war. And, like, but you don't find that out until you're well an hour into the movie. Yeah. So it makes everything that's happening just like seem like, like wait like, it 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 seems like the audience is always behind but for no real good reason and mm-hmm. so it's like what what am I watching like why am I looking at this like what's happening like I felt confused for most of the movie because I didn't know if I was supposed to know what was happening or not. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I was trying to figure things out all while wondering if like maybe not knowing is part of the like weirdness of it. But then, like, it does explain it, so then it's like, okay, well, you were going to explain it, so why not do it earlier? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, definitely not as crazy as I thought. I, I would go a little – not that I expected it to be great. I just wanted it to be, like, fun and as weird as it was selling itself on. Yeah, if it was, like, you know, this tight 
90 minute like thriller he has to go get this girl for this sex criminal like it's violent it's bloody you know i'm fine i'm fine with that but it's it's really not even that no not really yeah chris did you watch anything surf's uh, up watch surf's up a bunch nice i watched uh what did i watch i watched raya the last dragon Ryan the Last Dragon. Oh, yeah. Did you like that? It was whimsical. It was fun. It had a very obvious story. It was almost like it was made for kids. But Weird. It's almost like that. It was, it was good, though. The animation was pretty okay. The, the story was really cool. <laughs> I don't know what to say about when heard, I watch I've animated heard, movies. I've heard that's what Disney's going for these days with their animation style. Just pretty okay. <laughs> Just saying, none of it really blew me away. I I did like it though. That's good. Um, I hardly remember anything about it. Tell you the truth. I haven't seen it. Cause I don't watch kids movies. Yeah, you're weird, I'm, dude. Cause I'm an adult. An adult that has dolls. They're not dolls. Well, I got to watch uh, Benedetta, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Chris, did you watch L? L? Yeah. Did you watch that? I know Zach and I, I did. Did I you check that out? Well, I don't no. even know what that is. Okay, so you didn't watch it. Anyways, Benedetta's um Benedetta's interesting. Getting a lot of controversy on the internet, um, especially by the especially by the Catholic communities showing up in droves to protest this oh. movie at all of its screenings. That's the the one about the nun, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty so what's sold on the idea of this lesbian nun relationship. But there's also like a lot more to it than that. Not a lot more. It's a whole other thing going on that sort of goes hand in hand with it. And part of it is that she – it's it's kind of hard to like – it goes kind of back and forth. But basically like there are people who believe that Jesus is literally working through her. So she is essentially, essentially like being visited by Jesus and being carried out things. So it's a very interesting movie, and not only is this woman like a lesbian and in engaging in gay sex, but there's also an element to it that she's this Christ-like figure. So it's like a gay a gay nun is a Jesus-like figure. So a lot of things working here to really rile up a certain sect of people. I can see why they might be upset about that. But Zach, you are going to love it because there are some amazing sequences of Jesus fighting people with a sword. Sick. At one point, Jesus cuts a man's head off, and it's amazing. That's pretty great. That's what Jesus should do if you want me to vote for him. Um, <laughs> you want me to vote for him? Praise but, God. Yeah, I I absolutely loved Benedetta. Um, it's funny in certain places and sort of in like a kind of like a tongue-in-cheek like on an on the nose sort of funny um there's some great just some like great visual stuff sort of happening that i think is like doesn't take itself too seriously like it even sort of goes out its way to make certain animation like kind of poor which i kind of liked in this one um yeah i i thought it was quite good uh the element – I would say the element of her trying to convince people that Jesus is working through her 
and like trying to dupe the people in her convent is a lot more interesting than any of like the lesbian stuff. But it definitely leans into it. It's no it's not quite blue as the warmest color level, but close. Interesting. Never saw it. And all I'll say is there is a one of the characters crafts a dildo out of a Mother Mary statue. Awesome. That's so awesome. yeah. Yeah, this is pretty. It's uh quite provocative and I loved it. Loved every second of it. Um, I watched a film from 2021 directed by Josh Rubin called Werewolves Within. Within what? Within your butt. <laughs> <laughs> so this star. Did, it, did either of you watch uh, Veep? Hmm. Um, first episode I did. Oh, well, there's a character in that show um, called Richard Splat. And he's like he's hilarious. Like he's like super intelligent, and like everything, he takes everything basically at face value. And there's like comedy from that. But the guy who plays him is in this movie, and he's doing basically the same shtick, which is like he's a, uh, well, it's him and that the uh, uh, AT&T girl, whatever her name is, the one that everyone goes crazy about on the internet. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I don't about? know. You know no. who the AT&T girl is? I don't know what her name is. I know I know who she is. Yeah. Wait, people look crazy because she's a model or something? Or was a uh, model? They just think that she's, like, super attractive. Okay, sure. I know I like, I know who you're talking about. But... Yeah, so she's in this. And it's basically about, uh, in this small town, they are all staying at this inn, and the power gets cut, and they find, like, a dead body. And it's basically, like, it's basically knives out, but if it were good and okay. with a werewolf. I'm surprised you're saying knives out is bad. I hate knives out. You gonna go see knives out too? Definitely not. Sure, it's got your boy Ethan Hawk in it and they're on a boat. Dude, Ethan Hawk is in a movie that looks terrible. Is it the black phone? No, that looks good. Oh, it's I the see. one with like where he's going to hunt down like a radical jihadist. <laughs> what? It's oh god. What is it called? Is it called Ones and Zeros? Yes. <laughs> Maybe he's not a radical jihadist, but like it's close. Uh yes. I don't understand the title of that movie. Dude, he only sees the world in ones and zeros. Because you haven't seen it. Things are binary, dude. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right and wrong, black and white. So, it's a uh, werewolves within. It's a it's a horror comedy, and like, you know, the whole premise is just like they're just trying to figure out what creature is out there and which one of them it is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's all there's like the underlying themes of like. Zach, no. I know why you like this movie so much. Why? Because it's a lot like Untraceable. With Jodie Foster? I think so. The one about the uh, F- the one about the FBI people who who are all on that deserted the guy who, island. Who, who like broadcasts his murders, but the thing about his his feed is that it's untraceable. Exactly. Is that where the name of the movie comes from? No, oh, it's Diane Keaton. 
That's not the one I'm thinking of. What's the one about the FBI people who go to that who go to that island and people and one of them keeps like sedating the other people and every time they wake up someone's been murdered and they're trying to oh, figure mine hunters boom yeah mine hunters that's another great movie that's an interesting idea yeah i should watch that yeah i remember watch just watching that a lot as a kid <laughs> i'm about to pee myself i gotta get to work so all right well this was the last thing that i had anyways to talk about oh sorry i didn't mean to cut you off werewolves within it's good. Uh, it's it's good. It's a it's a fun whodunit with some some pretty good twists along the way, and it's it's the humor is probably not for everybody, but it's mm-hmm. I I thought it was pretty funny. Um. Okay. The last thing I can mention, so we can let Chris go here. I watched the Beta Test, directed by Jim Cummings, who did Thunder Road and Wolf of Snow Hollow. <laughs> Which I believe was on your top ten list, right, Zach? Wolf Snow Hollow, number ten, right? Sure. I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. Anyways, a lot Jim of work in those lists. I think I'd remember. Can be anything you want it to be. <laughs> Anyways, Jim Cummings. This movie, he plays a Hollywood agent, and the premise of the movie is he gets a he gets an invitation in the mail to a to join an anonymous sexual liaison in a hotel room. Um, and so he follows through with it, and then the rest of the movie is him trying to figure out, like, why somebody would want to set this up, uh, and, yeah, kind of, it's, I definitely don't think it's as good as The Wolf of Snow Hollow or, uh, Thunder Road, definitely not as good as Thunder Road, um, I think a lot of it's kind of pretty on the nose, and they I mean, it, they make it worse by, like, actually drawing in dialogue to, like, explain what's happening to you. Chris, I know you're a big fan of that. I'm not. I'm, I'm much a fan more of consistency. Of, I'm much more a fan of show me the hickey and we can move on. I get it. Right. Um, this one's way more dialogue laid out. So, I don't know. Uh, just wasn't for me. Uh, the concept's kind – I don't know. It's It's kind of an interesting concept. The um, kind of a lot of it's like talking about how you sort of can't really hide your dirty laundry anymore on the internet, which I don't really know why that's a bad thing, <laughs> especially if you're like having affairs in random hotel rooms. And uh, I remember the good old days where you could just <laughs> fuck kids in private. Now everyone's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's just like. Bones, am I right? <laughs> so like, I don't know. I can't. Just kind of an interesting topic to go about, and that's awful. I know. <laughs> I think like Jim Cummings is kind of starting to reveal he has like a certain type of sense of humor, and I, I, I would like to see him do a movie now that, that he's done three. I would like to see him do something where he's not starring in it and he's just directing or writing. But he seems to have like one acting shtick. And like his characters all seem to follow like similar tropes, so I'm always befuddled. That's his acting trope, his acting shtick. I like I'm how Chris just, just like on edge exactly. and befuddled. I like I like how you just hung on befuddled to see if anyone would comment on the fact that you said it, and then when we didn't, you just moved on. <laughs> you guys are always making fun of me. I'm not using <laughs> good words. Decided to use a good word one time, no recognition. 
Chris, good vocab. What's a, <laughs> what's a guy got to do, okay? I kid, I kid, I joke, I joke. Mm. Yeah, that's the beta test. Chris, you got anything you want to mention here real quick? Surf's up. The fourth viewing, great. Do you pick up anything different when you watch these? Chicken Joe's cool. <laughs> he gets better as the more viewings you watch. That's about it. I want that quote to be on the DVD. Chicken Joe's cool. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> what would you give Chick? What would you give Surf's Up out of five? Oh, five. Like no question. Uh, okay. Doesn't get my six, but it's a five. I wish. Can you please? Point. Have you ever even given a movie a six? On this podcast, I've regretted not giving Parasite a six, so I I, I retro retroactively gave it a six. Yeah. Um. But no official six. Maybe Halloween got a six. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That might well, be that is- it. That is film school dropout material. You're telling me, buddy. <laughs> you gonna have like call-ins for your podcast? Like people can call in and be like, "Let's go to the lines," and then. I mean, it's not a live radio show, so no. Well, that's what I'm saying. You could just like pretend it is and like let me know when to call in, and I'll call in, put me on speaker, and I can just be like that di- that like disgruntled you know person who's just <laughs> listening to your show and is just like. You fucking asshole. <laughs> You're going to classify this as whatever the fuck schlockbuster? I want to be like that that segment of like the most patient guy on C-SPAN. There's just all these people yelling at him and like saying how stupid Obama is. And he's just like, okay, next caller. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you for calling in. That's our time. <laughs> So next week on the show, we're talking Nightmare Alley, yeah? Matrix Resurrection. No, we're not doing Matrix. I mean, I'll probably have watched it by then, so we can talk about it in another segment. You guys I, could do a, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I will. I'll check it out. I'm, I don't have high hopes, though. I, I don't like that it's John Wick, but in the Matrix. Like, I, If he's going to be in the movie, at least commit to like looking how you looked at the end of the Matrix. I'm going to believe whatever you say on this movie, Jake. If you say it's great, I'm going to believe you. If you say it's horrible, I'm going to believe you. Because I'm never going to watch it to refute what you say or agree with you. So my default is to just agree with you on this. Instead of doing Nightmare Out, let's just review all four Matrix I (laughs) fucking – I'm out, dude. That's all, folks. I know. I'm kind of out on that, too. I watched all three of them last year. That's good for me for a while. Dude, I think this movie, the Matrix movie, is just like 15 years too late. Like, who fucking cares about the Matrix anymore? No we talk about? Do we talk about what Lena Wachowski said when she resurrected it? No. She was like, she was said that her... I'm just looking for a paycheck. No, her parents had died. And so she was like, you know, just the thought of like Neo and Trinity being alive and being there for me, like really pulled me through my dark times. And that's how I came up with Matrix Resurrection. Shut up. (laughs) No, I'm cool with reviewing Nightmare Alley, though. I'm in. Guillermo del Toro. 
for now I'm in. Cool. Cool. Well, until next time, as always, thanks for downloading. Thanks for being with us, even though we're so sporadic with our postings. But as always, glad to have you with us. And until next time, bye-bye. Peace.